0: Blog Talk Radio. March 4th, 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. And this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Now, I just remembered that I said, don't let it go unheard very quickly. Yes, it's called Don't Let It Go Unheard. That's the show you're listening to right now. Um, We do. We discuss the news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Her philosophy of objectivism, I believe, uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and I am very happy to welcome back today for another post-debate discussion Sunny Lohman of House of Sunny. Let me go ahead and get her on the line. Welcome back, Sunny. How are you? Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. I'm great. Thanks for coming back and saving me again because, as usual, because of my <laughs> long Commute that I have on, on Thursday evenings and the, I mean it's so inconsiderate for the GOP to keep scheduling these debates on Thursday nights. I mean don't they know that I've got this crazy commute and it's just impossible for me to catch the whole debate. But you know thank you again for saving my you know what um, <laughs> and coming back. to No problem. To talk to me. <laughs> um, I, I heard through the grapevine that there was part of the debate that I most definitely did not want to watch. And it's because I actually do care what Ted Cruz says about issues. You know, there's some candidates where Donald Trump in particular, Kasich, is is a close second. Whatever they say, I don't even know that I care anymore because I know enough about them. And I know that I don't want right. them. And so I have no decision to make. But with Cruz, you know, I already know that my support of him is qualified. And you're always kind of waiting for him to say something that's going to push you over the edge and say, no, I really don't want to support him for president anymore. Although, you know, given given how bad Trump is, I think I've got a pretty wide berth that I would give him. But what I did hear is yeah. that he said that Snowden committed treason.
1: Was that right? Yeah, he did. But, I so, yeah, I mean, the funny thing about Trump being in this race is that I remember when Ted Cruz announced and I thought, well, he's never going to get it because he's just, he's he's too radical. I mean, people you know, aren't going to go for him. And now he looks like the calm, reasoned guy in the race. I mean, for everybody, for P. I I mean, I've always liked Ted Cruz. But, um, yeah, he did say that. Worse than that, so right before he said that, Donald Trump said he was a spy, accused Snowden <sighs> of being a spy, which is, okay. you know, that's beyond anything. And then um, they asked Cruz, and Cruz said that when he first heard about it, he actually – you know, he didn't want to say the guy was a traitor because he wanted to see the evidence. You know, he he didn't want to jump to a conclusion about it and that over time he made that conclusion. It would be interesting to know why he didn't elaborate. I mean, it wasn't a, a forum for that, but he obviously had put a lot of thought into it.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, people people who know my show know that I have an open invitation to Ted Cruz to come on the show and particularly focus on privacy issues. So I would add to the list Snowden. I would love to discuss with him Snowden and and what evidence has come to light in his mind since then. What I do know, and, and probably you agree with me on this, Sunny, is that if you read Snowden's Twitter feed, there is a lot. To be disappointed about in that Twitter feed, mm. I don't. But you, you haven't I mean, seen it. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, a lot I, of no, Greenwald. I don't read his Twitter feed, yeah, it's a lot of mm. Greenwald-inspired, you know, kind of leftist, anti-Americanish stuff at times. But anything that he's done on the privacy issue has been spot on. And you know, the whole yeah, idea. The question of,
1: is, what are what are we accusing him of? Like the the stuff he did to that. I mean, he did such a service to the American people and what he did. So to take those actions, and I, you know, I don't know. Is there something we don't know? Is there information that he shared with Russia and China? I mean, do we not know something? That's what I. It could be. You know, it could I know. be right. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, Bolton, Matt too, in the chat uh, room. Who, I, I see there's a there's a listener,
0: Matt, in the chat room over here at Block Talk Radio. He says, "A broken clock still tells time twice a day." So. Is it that, um, you know, and someone in the chat room is talking about Ted Cruz. Actually, the broken clock, I'm wondering, Matt, do you mean that the broken clock is Snowden, so that Snowden is a broken clock who happens to get privacy right? Or is it that Ted Cruz is the broken clock? I don't know. I think I think he means that Snowden is the broken <laughs> clock and happened to be right on this issue. But, you know, it wasn't just – Really? Isn't it more yeah. than
1: that? I mean, the guy well, risked his yeah. life and – yeah, he means he does. Well, he's he does not just right. He took a real big stand and risked it all. So
0: he, he risked it all. And then when I watch interviews with him about this topic, he seemed to have a good, principled understanding of it. Anyway, so I was disappointed about that. But you said that Cruz did not go into the particular evidence or his reasons for drawing that conclusion. So I guess we can't no, really evaluate.
1: Yeah. It is tough. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to know. I think Cruz. It, it, it was clear that he took his time and had thought about it because they asked him, you know, why did you flip flop on this issue? Cause you used to support him and now you don't. And he said, you know, it was just that I had, I didn't want to make a conclusion without evidence. And now that I've seen what I've seen, I think he's a traitor. So that, that was kind of it. Um, yeah. It wasn't the format to get into it. And I don't know where he said that, that they were quoting him. I don't know where the original quote is from. Maybe somebody, in your chat room can tell us where to find more information on his opinion. Yeah, but obviously he's changed it over time with an increasing mm-hmm. amount of evidence.
0: But, you know, I didn't mean to, to focus on that one particular thing. I was thinking, well, I was probably happy I, I didn't watch that part. <laughs> but I, I, I did end up seeing the yoga part of the discussion last yeah. night. That was towards the end of the debate. And I missed that. Was great. any any really of coming. the references to uh, to Donald Trump's penis, which I just can't even believe that <laughs> that came up. You haven't seen that, so yet. Well, I well, though um, I actually did end up seeing a video clip later. But when I when I got home and I heard that this had happened, I thought that is insane. How does anybody discuss these things during a presidential debate? So so do tell. How did this come up?
1: Well, okay, do you want me to tell the yoga one first or do you want to just dive right in? (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) um, Let's go ahead and talk about the penis one first. Okay. uh, Yeah,
1: then the yoga. You know, first I'll say, it really didn't surprise me at all because to me, and and this is so funny to me because I, I did a video back in August where I parodied Trump. I played a character called Tramp, like the female Trump, and I talked about the size of my non-existent penis. And that, like if I did, I don't have one, but if I did, it would be huge. And the reason that I did that in that video was because to me, that's the essence of Trump kind of walks around comparing <laughs> himself to other people and this, and you know, something non-essential like that too. Like, you know, that's Trump to me. He's just that guy. So right. Um. it wasn't surprising, but at, yeah. And yet it was surprising because <laughs> You don't necessarily expect your exaggeration to become reality, but yes, a presidential debate and the top guy basically assured everybody that his penis is sufficient (laughs) for the job. (laughs) Sufficient according, I
0: guess, to most women who he slept with. And I think he said he likes to sleep with a lot of married women. So, okay. So there's some... Married,
1: the top women. Always the top women.
0: Yes. (laughs) So sufficient for the top. Top, for the top women, we are told. But I understand yeah. that the reason this was ever brought up in the first place – I mean, you know, first of all, I have talked about an issue with respect to Barack Obama that I had called nihilism with respect to the office of the president, and I think I spoke about that – I don't know if I spoke about that with you, but I know I spoke about it recently because um, people have been praising Marco Rubio – for really going after Trump and going after Trump in a way that attacks him where he lives, which is in this lower level of discourse, right? So, yeah. um, and and I feel uneasy about this because with respect to Obama, I've criticized him for what I call this nihilism with respect to the office of the president. And for examples of that, you have Obama as president Appearing in a very undignified way on certain late night shows or sports mm-hmm. shows, or for example, at that White House Press Club dinner where there was a little humorous, supposedly humorous bit in the beginning where he's supposedly in a bathroom and flushes a toilet. You're hearing all this behind the scenes? Do you remember that one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, right. like you're hearing the president go to that.
0: Yeah, 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 and 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 so you think, okay, this is the lowest it can get, and certainly when we replace Barack Obama in 2016, it would be with somebody who's going to at least bring that up a notch, right? And now Even we Hillary have Hillary would bring it up a notch. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's what you would think, at least that, at least with respect to this dignity of the office of the president. And now we have Trump, and he was already, I believe, worse than Obama in that regard. But this just clinches the deal for me, that he is far below Obama with respect to any idea of presidential dignity. So how did he do it? Apparently it was because of something that Rubio had said, not at the debate, but outside the debate. How did that work?
1: Yeah, so... Um, I guess Donald Trump is sensitive about the size of his hands. It's kind of a running joke because uh, somebody pointed out that he had stubby fingers like a decade ago. And ever since then, he has sent that reporter pictures of his hands. Right.
2: That was part of John Oliver head. bit,
1: right? John Oliver yeah. pointed that out in his video. Right. Yeah. So the, this has been around. I mean, people have been talking about that for weeks. And so then Rubio, when he's been out attacking Trump, has mentioned the hands. And then I guess he said in a off the cuff moment in, in some rally or something, he said, so he has these small hands and you know what that means. So it was just like an innuendo that, you know, small hands mean you have a,
0: <laughs> no, I know you have a
1: rally where Rubio's
0: out there running for president and he makes that remark. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. And, and that, I think, You know, the thing about Rubio going on the attack, it's kind of interesting because it does seem like it's a little effective. I mean, um, it's kind of nice to see somebody mocking Trump. But I I think you can mock Trump without being, you know, going into the gutter or, you know, being really crude about it. You don't have to be as crude as Trump is um, to mock him. And And I mean, I I think Cruz does a decent job of that, right? So he said
0: something like that uh, Donald Trump has a tenuous relationship with the truth,
1: right? Right. Or even Um, the yoga comment. I mean, Rubio's really smart, funny. Well, he says he's flexible, so you never know what will happen. Referring to yoga, you know, impromptu yoga. And that's really funny, and it's making fun of his flexibility. And I thought that was a brilliant joke um, that he just made up on the spot. So he's definitely capable of that kind of mocking which is really effective. He doesn't need to go to the, like, locker room humor. Um, I don't think that was necessary, and I actually think that that's hurting Rubio. I think it makes him seem less presidential as well, and, you know, at a time when he really – he already seems like the young kind of jock football player guy that maybe isn't really prepared for the job, and so this is – I think that's kind of enhancing that image for him.
0: Right, right.
1: Now, I agree with you that the yoga
0: piece, I didn't have any problem with it. And we'll kind of go into how that came about. Because I, I watched that clip. I thought that was pretty funny. It was a good kind of tag team between Cruz and Rubio on that. But, you know, this idea that you're going to, at a rally in which you're running for president, make that sort of joke, an innuendo. Yeah, uh, I mean, about another candidate.
3: And, and joking about about,
0: <laughs> about the size of their... Sexual organs, right? Um, I mean, these are things you just don't discuss. I mean, I know that people make jokes about it, but it's just undignified to do this. So he did it there. Yeah, it wasn't at a presidential debate, but here we are on, I guess it's primetime television, you know, mainstream media network. Everybody is watching. Apparently it got one of the highest ratings. This debate last night got really high ratings, which... Some people are taking it as a very good sign because it means that they are still open to changing their mind and that they actually care what is said in the debate. I don't know if it was, you know, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the curiosity that people have about a car crash, you know, that kind of morbid curiosity (laughs) that causes Gawker's block. Um, I hope it wasn't that, right? I hope that it really was that they wanted to hear what these candidates had to say, that they're open to having their minds changed uh, by what they Here, because I think that there was a good representation last night, but in any event, you know, all these millions of people are watching and then Trump takes the bait. Takes
1: the bait. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's Trump. Trump is, is that schoolyard, you know, guy. He, he took it hook, line and sinker, reassured everybody that he's got plenty. And that was just the weirdest moment. That was just the weirdest moment. I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised, and yet my my mouth opened. Like, what <laughs> did I just see? So, yeah, it's pretty shocking. And what was the audience reaction? Um, uncomfortable laughter, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Like, you got kind of this, like, whoa, did that just happen kind of laughter.
0: And did you so. get to see looks on any of the other candidates' faces or any? No. No, they, they were
1: totally the, they went from Trump's face um, after he said it straight to Brett Baer, who just like moved it along. I mean, it was like he acted like it It wasn't it didn't happen. Wow. So really professional. So, yeah. So kudos think to, to, to Brett Baer for
0: being professional <laughs> and dignified or maybe it didn't even register with him. What do you think?
1: Oh, I think probably I mean, I, I think. Probably he was a little shocked. I mean, if it had been me, I don't know that I would have been able to react. I don't know that I would have wanted to because, okay, that was really crude. Let's move on and try to get back on track. Um, but also I think you'd be so stunned. You, What would you do? You know, how do you even respond to that? There's nothing else to say after that. <laughs> after that. Right.
0: Right. No. And I, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that there is. So, you know, from that, which I think clearly, again, it reduces this quotient of dignity of the office of the president. I would assume that anybody who has some sense of what the decorum should be for a presidential candidate might be moved by that. I mean, do you think that Donald Trump's voters would be deterred and, and regret their vote after seeing something like no. that? Or do you think he really no. can, you know, actually shoot somebody in the middle of the street and it wouldn't matter? What, do you, what are you thinking?
1: <laughs> um you know, I think the problem with that is that because to, I think decorum is now being equated with weakness, um, just because PC is has really created that impression, I think. I mean, I I think that in some ways the things that Trump says that are not um, the most dignified things are the things that actually I like to hear from him the most, which is sort of weird, but I I referred to this the other day, the you know, when the ex-Mexican president said, I'm not going to pay for that wall. And then Trump said that wall just got 10 feet higher. Um, You know, that's not a presidential way to handle talking to another nation. But at the same time, we're so sort of tired of the weakness. And so I think, um, you know, not that talking about the size of your penis is so tough, it's actually to me it kind of shows weakness really deep down um that you would even talk about that but um i don't think it will sway his his supporters because i think that they like that he says things that aren't appropriate i think they like that about him right and and it and it, and there's some truth there that things have gotten so stiff and so rehearsed and so you know, you, you can't say anything real anymore because you'll just get picked apart, and Twitter will attack you, and you know everything everything you say is attacked, and you're called names, and so this guy comes out and with moral certainty just says whatever, and I think that is attractive to people. Right, right. Even if it's um, kind of base.
0: Yeah, no, and I, and I and I agree with that. You know, another thing that people were talking about, besides the fact that, you know, he referred to his anatomy, is the issue of flexibility and the fact that he was changing his views on issues, that he was forced to embrace that in last night's debate in a way that he never had been forced to do so before. Of course, that led to Rubio making the flexibility, uh, you know, comment, but... What, what did you? What was your impression with that? Did he look bad because he is changing his position so much, or yeah, did he... I thought he. Yeah. Okay. I I
1: I think if anything, that would be the way to affect a Trump supporter. Is I think that they think he's going to do these things that you know the immigration issue, the illegal immigration, maybe tough on. They they actually think he's tough on on Muslims, but you know as we know, anyone who listens to your program knows that. Um, Bosch Boston has said that uh, Trump said that you know they shouldn't have drawn Muhammad, and to me, right there, that's like he's weak. He's weak on Islam, and if you can't defend Americans' free speech against Islam, then you you know you're that's as weak as it gets. So um, I think that if you're going to get Trump, you're going to get him on this kind of thing where you show people that he isn't actually going to be tough where he says he's going to be tough, but he's really just telling you stuff. But, you know, he'll change his mind tomorrow that he's just going to flip-flop around. And I think it was, he, he definitely admitted that basically everything is negotiable to him. Right, that's, that's the and, quote that I heard, that everything is negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. And that he he made like a little, I think this was kind of a mistake on his point. he He said that, Uh, to be successful, he doesn't know anyone who's successful who isn't flexible. And he he talked a lot about flexibility being necessary. And then Rubio had a really great comeback to that. He said that there's a difference between being flexible and telling people what they want to hear so you get elected. And that was just the right thing to say. Um, And then that was followed by a little, the, the yoga thing came right after that. So then just after that, Trump was interrupting Cruz while he was talking and Cruz told him to breathe. <laughs> and then uh you know, breathe. Breathe, Donald. I know it's hard. Breathe. Right. And Yeah, and, and, and the reason said, the
0: reason he was saying that is because Trump has this habit of interrupting everybody else and talking over them. And yeah. of course he's not supposed to be doing that. He's supposed to be giving each candidate the opportunity to answer a question. So he's talking over Cruz. So, so that's what Cruz is saying, you know, breathe. It's not just yeah he He wasn't just you know uh nitpicking on Trump when it was Trump's turn to talk, and then somehow Trump was getting excited and wasn't breathing or something. It was because he wasn't even letting Cruz answer right? yeah
1: so and that wasn't so he, the first time it it was like a pattern, yeah. and he he was doing it to Rubio he was doing it to Cruz, and it wasn't the first time that um Cruz had to say something about it to to stop him you know and right. and so then he said that, and then Rubio said um." uh can I comment when these guys are done doing yoga?
0: <laughs> right.
1: And then and then Cruz said, uh, nobody wants to see us doing yoga and then that's when Rubio said, Well he says he's flexible so you never know.
0: <laughs> I mean it would be really funny I think to watch Donald Trump do yoga on the stage. Um I think it would be maybe more instructive than hearing him continue to talk about yeah political issues, uh, certainly it would be more humorous. It's political yoga. He's flexible (laughs) in his positions. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, So so obviously I think that was good. And for me, I don't have any problem with those two guys joking about the issue of yoga. I mean, did you think that that interchange lacked any kind of dignity or
1: not? Not at all. I thought it was great. And, um, again, you know, I think there's different ways – to mock, I think if you mock people for physical traits or non-essential things like that, I don't think that's funny, and I think it's actually low. Um, you know, if, if you mock Hillary Clinton because she's overweight or something, I like that's just not necessary. She could be a great leader that has nothing to do with why she's no good. And so mocking people on really their flaws, like their their ideological flaws, I think that's fair game, and I I think that's perfectly. Respectable thing to do, and I think it's effective. So right. um, I or, thought that or, um, was really
0: good. Or mocking on
1: behavior, right? Because that's what Cruz yeah. is doing—is
0: mocking him on his right. behavior of, of speaking on over the other behavior,
1: right, right, right. right. Um, so I thought that was good. It was nice to see. Unlike the last debate, Cruz in, in the last debate Rubio would hit Trump, and then Cruz would hit Rubio, kind of lessening Rubio's blows against Trump. And I think he learned his lesson because. Last night, um, Cruz didn't attack Rubio at all. The two of them did not attack each other at all. They only attacked Trump. That, I think, was really important and effective. So,
0: and and, and no, Trump melted me down again. This
1: weekend. Go ahead.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I just was saying, Trump lost, you know, he, he gets, it's not just the stuff he talks about, it's the way he talks. I mean, the interrupting, the bombast, the he He's just yelling, he's insulting, he doesn't respond to substantive questions without insults. He talks about polls I mean he's just he's just like a horrible person <laughs> and um that was very clear if you're watching this debate and you're wondering you know who to vote for, I don't know if anyone still was, but I don't know, I thought Trump looked really bad. he looked very rattled in my opinion and and if so, and if People are right that the
0: high ratings are due to the fact that people are trying to decide whether they're going to vote for Trump or somebody else. I think that's a very good sign. So um, I am seeing a little bit of uh, there's some people out there who have said, oh, I don't like Cruz. I'm not going to vote for him, who are now saying I will vote for Cruz. Why? Because Cruz is the one who has the potential in my state to beat Trump. And it's so important to beat Trump. And therefore I'm going to go ahead and vote for Cruz. So I'm glad to see that. Um, You know, it's it's interesting. Some people say, and I don't know if we want to take a departure, just a brief departure from the debate for a second, because I want to come back to you and and ask other things that impressed you about the debate. But there is this story that's going around about why people don't like Ted Cruz. Have you seen it? He's this neurobiologist or doctor of neuroscience. I I saw that
1: story. Uh, And I I didn't get a chance to read it. There was like a video explaining what it is about his his mannerisms or something. Right. So so the idea is that um,
0: there are certain ways of smiling and moving your eyes and things like this that for most people indicate sincerity. And for whatever reason, Cruz moves his mouth and eyes in ways that are different, this doctor concludes, he doesn't think that Cruz is actually any less sincere than anyone else, but that these facial mannerisms make him appear less sincere. Now, I've been following Cruz for a long time, and I go based on what he says, probably by tone of voice in some ways. I don't know that I judge him very much by facial expression, but you also judge by what they do, right? By their their track record. And Cruz has this record of standing up against Washington establishment, whether in his own party or otherwise, that is super impressive. You know, plus it's the the whole content. If you, you know, analyze the content of his positions and his reasons for them, it's so much better than other political candidates. You know, again, in that context of the current batch of political candidates, he seems to be the best and, and sincere to me, but... What what do you think about that? I mean, did you did you ever get struck by Cruz as not sincere? You
1: no, know, I we were you and I were kind of talking about this on Messenger that we've been paying attention for years now. And to me, Cruz has always been impressive because of what he's done and the things he's said in you know, the fights he's taken on and the integrity that he's had and how much he's tried hard to drag everybody kicking and screaming to repeal Obamacare or stop the funding for it or, you know, he's just, he really, really is trying and he's sticking his neck out and fighting the GOP as well as the Democrats. So I've really admired him for that. And he read from Atlas Shrugged on the Senate floor, which right. I mean, you know, that was a really big deal. So I I think that his mannerisms are a little stiff and weird to me, but I've never regarded them because I just don't, they, they don't say anything to me that conflicts with what I know about him, you know? I mean, I, right. they're just not really important. It's kind of like, it's, it would be the same thing if I really cared what Donald Trump's size was. <laughs> to me, it's like, it's <laughs> right. really a non-essential thing. And what's essential is that he has been a champion for freedom um, more so than anybody else. And and more so than I think, it's reasonable to even expect from a politician in today's culture. I'm I'm really impressed with that he even exists, um, in
0: this culture. So yeah, um, Matt here in the chat room, he says uh, he says I don't need to get a beer with Cruz. I need him to be a principal leader, <laughs> and that's yeah. exactly right. And, and I, and th- so I th- think that's the judgment.
1: Now I now I don't know people who know him in person say he's less stiff in person and maybe that he's self-conscious in you know, maybe his social skills aren't, you know, and not everybody is comfortable in front of a camera or in front of a group and he does it a lot. And maybe he's got this lawyerly way of kind of this rehearsed seeming way of talking when he's on, um, you know, that's definitely a skill to be relaxed and comfortable in those environments. It's it's not natural that you would be. So uh, I I just I don't know. And maybe part of it, too, is like, I'm kind of a nerd. And I have a lot of friends who are nerds. And there's a lot of social awkwardness that I'm just kind of interacting with on a regular basis. And I don't it doesn't bother me at all. You know, I think it's kind of quaint. <laughs> because right. Some of the smartest people are sort of weird. And yes. I really like who they are, and I like their ideas, and, and uh, I don't care that they're a little awkward. It just doesn't bother me. So I don't know if I'm coming from a different place socially, but also I just think I know so much about Cruz that it's never it's never entered into my mind to care.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've, we no. have. We've watched them for a long time. And one of the things that you and I were talking about on Messenger was the issue that of late more people in our circles, which usually includes, Objectivists or, you know, fans of Ayn Rand, more people in our circles have typically confined themselves to the longer term battle for the culture, which would mean concerning yourself with academia or the arts or you know, public intellectuals and putting out books, you know, to maybe go on to shows and things like that. A lot of people are more concerned with that than they are with actually looking to the current crop of politicians. And sometimes you think, okay, with good reason, because the current crop of politicians is necessarily going to disappoint on a variety of levels. But you and I have kind of, and we were talking about this, you know, look at this crop of politicians, and we've seen Cruz as somebody who seemed promising within that context, and that it was worthwhile to potentially even sort of root for somebody in politics, or at least note what they're doing and cheer when they're doing some good things, and and that that is something that we can do even now, even while we are engaged in that longer-term battle for the culture. So what... I mean, what's your perspective? We had said, you know, oh, it's because Trump is so bad, and that's why people are now getting involved in politics. Mm-hmm. But
1: what what
3: about yeah. for
0: you?
1: What what has
0: politics brought for you before that?
3: Well,
1: you know, for me, I think I was similar to that for a long time, and then uh, when Obama was elected, I think I realized, oh my gosh, this is this is actually dire. Uh, you know, if if we don't, if I I just wanted to do my part, and I. I You know, your show is Don't Let It Go, and there's a great essay in there, too, about, you know, what one person can do um, that Ayn Rand talks about. And that was really inspiring to me. And I thought, I've got to do something because, and that's when I started making videos and paying attention to politics on a really, on a much more, uh, on a deeper level. And it can be depressing unless you're kind of doing something about it and being sort of an activist. And I encourage anyone who's starting to get involved because they see Donald Trump and say, oh, my God. I didn't realize we were this far down the road that our freedoms are really threatened. And, I mean, Donald Trump talks out against free speech on a regular basis now. And he's running for office. He's not even in office, and he's already bashing free speech. So what is he going to do when he gets there? It's just insane to me. I I can't even believe the guy is saying this stuff, and he's still the front runner. Right if he gets in, I, I really think we're going to, we're going to have the fight of our lives just for, for speech. And yes. not that we aren't already dealing with that under Obama. Cause we are, I mean, when the IRS is auditing people for having the wrong ideas, speech is being threatened very, very, um, you know, immediately. And right. so I think people are starting to realize, okay, that's true. And, but I've realized that for years and, now people are kind of wanting to get involved or pay attention, which is great because, I, you know, the more voices and the more people working on the side of freedom, the better. And I think that it is dire. I think it's dire. So, yeah, I I don't know. That's- so so in a way, it, it's just the alarm bell
0: was rung in your head before Trump. And And I yeah. can understand that because even though... We, as objectivists, or other people as fans of Ayn Rand, or people as libertarians, they never expected to fully agree with the Republican Party. The idea that somebody as bad or worse than Obama could be nominated by that Republican Party, that seems just so much worse. So, you know, maybe for some people, the right. fact that Obama was our president and all these horrible things, we say, well, at least they're somewhat, you know, better in the Republican Party. And now we're seeing maybe the Republicans are the <laughs> Yeah. So maybe that yeah. was the reason. But one element that I used to stress, because people were talking, you know, they were criticizing Cruz for pushing for that government shutdown in order to defund obamacare that it had no chance of winning any practical political you know victory of any of any kind right and i said even if that's true right and and now of course we see that cruz might even get the nomination there is still a path i understand whereby he could get the nomination um that yeah. would be amazing if he does. And and it would show that no, that wasn't futile. But even if that was futile at the time I argued, and at the time, you know, back in two thousand thirteen, um was it two thousand thirteen? Fall of two thousand thirteen when he was doing this? I think it was I, September I of two thousand thirteen. So. Um even you know, then when it you know, he's first term senator, has no clout at all, there's nothing he's able to do. I said that the ability to witness a politician Standing up on principle against something that's really bad and, you know, stating things effectively, even if it doesn't at that point have a chance to win. The the inspirational value of that for people like us who are engaged in the longer term battle for the culture is right. worth it, that it's important. And that this is something that you want to see in the political realm because you know eventually that these ideas are going to have to have some expression in politics, otherwise we're toast, right? Right. And he is explicitly referring to some of the ideas. He is taking some steps to bring those ideas into action in politics. And we get to watch that. We don't necessarily get to see it succeed yet, but we see a politician who's been elected in a major state, United States, on the floor of the Senate doing this stuff. And it's got to start somewhere, right? So I think that's inspiring. For, for the rest of us, so even if you're not engaged in politics because we're at the very edge of the cliff, maybe you just want to see a little inkling of what's going to happen in the future, what could happen in the future, and you want to encourage that, right? The difference that yeah, makes right. the difference, between, you know, Ted Cruz and the other candidates, I think, is the influence of Rand. He's not an objectivist; he's religious, but that influence of Rand, I think, has made him a very good candidate.
1: Yeah, and I think that there that we're going to see more and more of that. And and the Tea Party is is partly responsible. The Tea Party was a very exciting development, and I think people are became disappointed with maybe you know where they the outcome or you know what is what has the Tea Party done? But the thing about you know especially national politics is that it takes a long time to make change within the system. You know you have to, you have to these people have to be groomed. They have to run. They have to be you know, you can't just run for office. You, you know, you have to kind of know what you're doing. You have to get the right people. You have to win your your election. Um, so maybe people start out locally and then they move on to the next level. And I think it takes time. And so we're just seeing people just starting, you know, Cruz was one of the first crop of the kind of better you know, politicians. You got Lee that also is his mm-hmm. um, his. Uh, buddy in the Senate that they tried to defeat Obamacare and I think it is It does have to start somewhere So what are they supposed to do Just not take the stand then it will Never happen I mean It has to start with the assertion And the drawing the line and saying No and we're going to fight for this And then people over the years Will join um, And and do the same And now you have um, Ben Sass From Nebraska who is another exactly. exciting New politician I really like him, and he he goes to the Senate floor to school everybody on civics, (laughs) his fellow senators. Like, this is why we have checks and balances. This is why we need to to stand up to the executive branch. We need to do this. You know, he explains history and he explains civics, and he's really um, has a very, very dignified way about him, a very calm and... And actually, friendly demeanor. He's very, very comfortable. He doesn't have the stiffness that Ted Cruz has and stuff. So he's a really exciting guy to watch in the future, I think. And, you know, I think. I wonder if he's it, a good it, VP material or is it too soon? I don't know. You know, the, I don't know how one picks a VP. I think you're supposed to pick somebody who's going to help you bring in a state that's hard to bring in. I don't like think it's hard <laughs> to bring Yeah, well. But could Rubio bring in a state? The thing that Rubio could do is just help help him get the nomination. I mean, if okay. Rubio and Cruz joined up now with Rubio as VP, then they could win. I mean, they would just go all the way. It's, it's not too late. I mean, delegates-wise, Trump and Cruz are kind of neck and neck. Um, so that could happen. But, um, you know, like, for instance, Kasich could bring Ohio. But, you know, who wants Kasich?
3: So, I, I, know, I know, one, one I thing I didn't I would,
0: understand was the little part of the debate that I watched last night, Kasich, but also Cruz and other candidates were completely ignoring the little end, ding, 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 where you're supposed to stop talking. They would go on for another equal amount of time, whatever their allotted time was, a minute or whatever, just blithely, unaware, just ignoring. And is that the new normal in debates for all of
1: them? I, no, I I think that was more so last night than ever. Um, and that's probably just the moderators were kind of losing control a little bit.
0: Right, right.
1: Because um, sometimes basic would go on and say nothing. I mean, it, it's like, I, I understand it if you're just finishing a thought, but he would start new whole sentences that were meaningless. <laughs> it's like, he was kind of like, I okay, yeah, where's the moderator, you know? But they Yeah, def- they def- def- really definitely cut
0: them off at that point. So, was there anything else in the debate last night in particular that struck you? Uh,
1: no, I think we've covered everything. I think, I thought Cruz had some, oh, there was something actually. I, I did have a criticism of just in general it was interesting to me how difficult it, it is for Cruz even to sell Liberty. And I feel like, you know, they're asked they, they're given sixty seconds in this format to answer a question. So they're not gonna be able to get into any kind of detail. So they really mm-hmm. should be talking about the principle. And they always get into the details and it just becomes kind of mind numbing. And then you've got Trump who never does that. And just as an example to kind of show the difference between mm-hmm. Ted Cruz's style and Trump's style, and I think why Unfortunately, Trump is better at that kind of thing. Um, Their closing statements, Ted Cruz basically said, I want to speak to soldiers, vets, policemen, firemen, you know, whatever, that he would change the rules of engagement and that he would have their back. So that was kind of his closing statement. And then Trump in his closing statement says stuff like, you're going to be very proud of this country if I'm elected president. And right. to me, that statement is way more effective. I want to be proud of my country again, and I right. think everybody's yearning for that. I don't need Ted Cruz to tell me he has my back. I want him to tell me that you know, freedom is going to make me proud of my country again. And he doesn't. It really is make true, it though. I well.
0: there is something though for a president having your back, and in particular, the the military. And police and everybody else probably feel quite betrayed right now by our current president. So this is something, you know, that speaks to them in particular that I think would be very important to them. The idea that their their leader, their president actually has their back doesn't send them off as sacrificial fodder. But does it speak to the country as a whole? Does everybody recognize that that is something that's been sorely lacking under Obama Enough that
1: you would devote your whole closing statement to it. I'm not sure. That's what I mean. I think, you know, while I agree with the sentiment, and I I think it's important that Ted Cruz says something like that or that a president says something, I think that's fine, and it it does resonate to a degree. But compared to you're going to be proud of this country if I'm elected president, that's a very different level of, I think, appealing to people's emotion. And and they're, you know, satisfying their kind of anger, or their angst or making them feel like, yeah, I want that guy. Um, I think, you know, so that's something I thought of. And and there were just moments throughout the debate that I thought, boy, Cruz just missed his chance to, like, really talk about the principle there. They just he was just getting kind of bogged down in some detail. Um, And I think if
0: you could uh, if you could coach Cruz, you would want to tell him to go to the broader principles more often.
1: Yes, absolutely, and that he should be selling. I mean, because he really is the Liberty candidate. He's the only guy up there talking about rolling back regulations, cutting agencies, abolishing the IRS. I mean, the stuff that he says is actually we'll move back, we'll move back toward freedom, and Obama, you know, repealing Obamacare. And he's the only one who's got that platform. And so but he
0: just he just needs to tie all of that up with a really nice ribbon. And yeah. then he's got then he's got the whole package because,
2: you know, yeah. Trump
0: has got the, I mean, you might call it sometimes quote pretty wrapping ribbon. He has, he has he has flashy ribbon anyway. Okay,
1: yeah. But there is gold lame ribbon. What? Now it's a package. What the hell? Um, <laughs> I know this is getting. He's tied up his package with a gold lame <laughs> ribbon. <laughs> that is, um, the, uh, I'm I'm blushing
0: here. But you can't see it because I'm here in in the studio. Uh, Speaking of Trump, though, I did actually have one topic relevant to the debate that I wanted to get to, which is that apparently Trump has doubled down on this idea that we should be killing the families of terrorists, right? Yeah. And a lot of people have made a big deal about the fact, okay, it's a war crime. And, okay, um, I'm not myself so wedded to whether something is or is not a war crime, because I think that there are some maybe agreements that we've engaged in with other countries to do or not do certain things that probably aren't even moral. They're not in our own rational self-interest as a as a country, you know, for self-defense. But regardless of whether you call it a war crime or not, it is wrong, I think, to have this policy of killing the families of terrorists. Now, if you had evidence, that the families of terrorists were themselves in support of the actions of the terrorists and so that somehow you were just basically killing people who were also ready to kill you. Okay, that's fine. But the mere fact that somebody's a family member of a terrorist, does that mean that that person deserves to die?
1: Well, and not only that, I mean, he's basically saying as a deterrent and as a threat, it's like mafia stuff. I mean, it's like Putin behavior. You know, that's what you would expect from Vladimir Putin. It's really icky. And I think it, it is interesting. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know that anyone's clear about this and no one's really talked about it. But, you know, if you bomb a city, you're going to kill people's families. You know, if you're at war and there's there's civilian casualties because you have to bomb the warehouse or whatever, and unfortunately houses get bombed at the same time. Um, sure. That's moral. Uh, I don't, you know, you turn not his family. You know what I? What target, I should be, a, I should be yeah. a little clear, right? So, so,
0: you know, it could be part of a valid strategy of self-defense to kill the family of a terrorist. I'm not saying it never could, but I don't think that Trump actually understands and could express a proper foreign policy of self-interest, where you say that you know what we are entitled to do as United States is take whatever action is necessary to eliminate a threat against us with minimal loss of life on our side. And as some people are pointing out here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio, they say, well, sometimes we killed families in Germany on purpose. Well, maybe we did. And we may have decided that that was necessary at a certain point in order to demoralize our enemy and win a war. And if that's the case, fine. But this idea that he's just kind of irresponsibly, without putting it in context, explaining, you know, that you're just going to kill people's families, and it may not even be necessary to, you know, a, a proper strategy of, of self-defense. That's a that's a whole different matter. Because yes, I, I believe, yeah, I agree with you, of course, civilian casualties are sometimes necessary. And I think Cruz would be so much better at articulating when and you know, when that wouldn't be appropriate. He's even said that in some cases he thinks enhanced interrogation techniques are fine. Uh, For me, those are different because it's the terrorist wrongdoer person himself who is suffering, not necessarily, you know, somebody who might be an innocent family member. So I just wanted to try to to clarify on that. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether you call it a war crime or not. It matters that we see whether it's right. And then whatever Trump is doing, he's not articulating that position properly within the context of, (laughs) no,
1: the way he he talks about it, it sounds like he's, you know, the Don, the mafia Don. I mean, that's, that's how it sounds. He's Tony Soprano, you know, and, uh, and he says a lot of stuff that sounds like that. So it kind of fits with some of the other stuff that he says too. But I think it does. Unfortunately, and, and then once again, it's because of the weakness of our leadership on both sides of the aisle, you have this resonating with people. You have our families are dying. They're killing our families, and they're targeting our families. And then we don't respond, and not only that, but we're, you know, we're even supposed to give them, you know, we're supposed to not profile at the airport. We're supposed to, no, you know, course, not and And so all of that stuff has made people so and so, when a guy comes out and talks tough and says, "I don't care about their families, I don't you know that is like people like it right no and and I know that they like it, and
0: they probably do like it for the right reasons, but the reasons need to be articulated so that they can be defended, so it could be on a proper foundation. And, and the only one on that stage, and this was true, I, I was going to say a couple times earlier, that I do miss Rand Paul in certain ways, and I would have loved to have seen yeah. him last night to talk about Snowden in particular and what is his considered judgment of, of Snowden after all this time. Again, I'm the, the privacy geek. But... Um, you know, and, and he I think he would have been better on Apple than any of those guys. But that notwithstanding, even if, if Rand Paul was on the stage, Cruz would be the best in terms of foreign policy and understanding it from a principal perspective of all of them. He's not into coalitions. He has a strong understanding of American self interest in foreign policy. And he's willing to say, Yeah, we're gonna do some things that are gonna cause civilian casualties. He hasn't had the opportunity to fully articulate Why? But I think he probably could. It would be nice to see him do that. Um, Sonny, do you mind if we grab a call? I've got actually three different callers. Yeah, go ahead. Are you willing to add a third into the mixture? Let's see. Yeah, definitely. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Bosh. Bosh, welcome. How are you?
2: How's it going? Hey, Sonny. Hey, Bosh. How's it going? Uh, There was something, uh, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh the other day, and uh, I think yesterday, and there was a guy who called and he had a pretty interesting observation about Trump uh, fans. He basically said that uh, he challenged Russia's contention that uh, Trump's followers are, quote-unquote, angry. You know, I think Rush keeps saying that they're angry, they're angry, right? And this okay. guy said he, he he said that Trump's followers aren't angry but afraid. And he said that, you know, according to him, he said people who are angry at the way things are, they want to do something about it themselves. While the fearful want the bully to do something about it, out of fear. And I'll, and I'll add, out of... Uh, impotence and uh, you know I mean if you notice how defensive Trump fans are about him as if he's some savior and if you say anything negative as if he's going to lose the entire election If you can notice that they're really irrational they're as irrational and as hypersensitive as he is about criticism against him and uh, he also you know as if uh, almost like almost vicariously through him they're gaining some power not themselves no, not that they can change things themselves, but they got this the strong man here. You know, Bob, uh, and that's, that's what, I, Yeah.
1: That's a really, really good point. And there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal, Trump and the Rise of the Unprotected. Um mm. that everybody should read. It was uh, Peggy Noonan wrote it and it was so good really kind of explaining there's this class of people who can't buy their way out of these emergencies and this, this situation yeah. that people are creating and you know where you're you are you're afraid for your future you can't get work um you are you don't have any you don't feel like you have a voice in politics and you're it's usually that kind of white male who's also been uh really oppressed um culturally right. and uh that is such a great article trump and the rise of the unprotected in the wall street now only on on this show only on this show do we talk about a white
0: male being oppressed and that is just taken as a (laughs) given right uh and and you you did say culturally but no this she did mean that and if you know people wanted to challenge that they could go ahead and call in and and say that but uh, yeah matt in the chat room he says he says we're being marginalized we're being told to shut up yes that's what happens with
2: white males and the uh, and, 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 and the boss, caller you know,
0: you're a white male so I'm, we're just going to talk over you no sorry
2: right Go you ahead. know what <laughs> no, i came here to interrupt i came here to interrupt you trump style I you mean, know? i mean you guys awesome. were talking you know <laughs> just come here kick kick the cans over there was also one thing that he said he said basically he was a cruise guy he basically came out at the end he says cruise is better because he will he basically will clear the way for those who are angry at the way things are to do something about it themselves you know uh, as in, get the government out of your way, and that's not what Trump is promising at all. He's saying I'm going right. to use government power on your behalf, right? And I'm going to take should care.
0: Every, of um, everybody should remember that great comment from Rick Perry at Texas. He said, and this was, I, was I think, dressed. the best thing about his candidacy when, back in yeah. 2012. It was right um, when he said that he wants to do whatever he can to make the federal government as inconsequential in your life as possible.
2: Yes. No, that, that was the was best
0: thing. Beautiful. And and then remember who yeah. has he endorsed? He has endorsed nice. Cruz. And yeah. again, of of the people who are remaining, I think Rand Paul would be in the running for this, but of the people remaining, he is the one who has the best plan to get the federal government out of our lives as as much as possible. Yeah, he's still
2: the guy. And one last thing, sorry, well, one last observation. Um I'm sorry, uh Sunny. You said something about, you know, I understand the idea that Trump says you, you want to be proud of America, but he is not someone to be, to be proud of. I mean, look at him. He talks about penis, penis size in a presidential debate. You know, he talks about making America great again when he is not great at all. You know, and if, so he can say all that stuff, but the fact is you look right. at it. He is not going to make or break us. He cannot make us great. He cannot make us, you know, proud of America. We are proud or we're not. I understand Well, and he can't rhetoric. make us safe.
1: He can't no, make us safe. Not. He can't protect us. So, yeah, you're right. You know, and I I don't know that Cruz is doing a good job of making the case that what does make America great? What did make it so that we felt strong and we felt protected yeah. and we felt, like, proud of our country uh, no matter what? I Those things are real, and I don't know that anyone's really selling that. And that is my disappointment right now with his campaign. Yeah. Right? I just want
2: him to, uh, you know, I mean, he's... He is so much younger than uh, Trump, also. Trump is like seven years old, Cruz is 45. I'm not using that as an excuse, but what I'm saying is this, is this is all new to him. He's just a, a, a new center out there, articulating as be- better than anyone there. And maybe if he was a little more seasoned, quote he might be better off. But still, he's still the best. And that's a whole I thing think, we have um, someone here.
0: I, I was going to say, I think you should take Leonard Peikoff's course, Objective Communication, right? Um, <laughs> because it, it could be the case. I mean, he is so intellectual. And these ideas are just so ingrained, I think, in his own mind that that they're there. It's the context that he takes for granted that he fails mm. to articulate it to yeah. others enough, and so he he goes straight to the concretes. And that's the danger for any of us because we are we are all trying to go out there and apply and argue for in certain contexts a very radical set of ideas, at least radical by today's standards, you know, when the era of the founding fathers, not as radical. But if you're trying to, you know, uh, reverse the trend of the culture in the way that Cruz is trying to do in the political realm right now, he does, he's got to step up his game and, and articulate the underlying principles a lot better and not take them for granted so much.
1: That's interesting because I would have my thinking was does he get the principles? But you're saying he gets them so well that he can't well, be forgetting he, that people he, don't he understand them. He gets
0: me. them to a certain extent, right? And and he is taking them for granted. I don't know that he gets them fully, but I think he gets them to a certain extent. He takes them for granted, and he and he fails to articulate. Rubio had been the one who had you know given at least a kind of superficial gloss on some of either the principles or the attitudes of the American sense of life whereas Cruz doesn't do enough of that but what you know for, for somebody like us who's really savvy and we say okay you know we're not counting on you Cruz to supply us with American sense of life we're dying to have the chance to express it and all we need is for someone like Cruz to come in and get some of his policy agenda enacted I mean imagine getting rid of the IRS and having that huge threat to freedom of expression, you know, among all kinds of other things, off of people's backs, um, you know, the idea of getting government yeah. out of education and all these different things. We know that all of the concrete policies, not all of them, but most of the concrete policies that Cruz is talking about are things that are going to enable America and the American sense of life to flourish. We know that. But a lot of people don't understand that. And that's where he can yeah. have this game. And
1: yes, 10, Cruz, come and here the, to the, my co- I will talk to you. <laughs> so we'll talk to you. <laughs> Get Leonard Peacock scores. course. And, and the converse to that, that, that in history, in the whole entire span of mankind, men like Trump create weakness and poverty. Yeah. And, you know, they really are not going to, they create the opposite of what people think he's going to help them with. The, getting a, yeah, He never, bigger he, he never stuff, speaks of
2: freedom. Sorry, he never speaks yeah,
1: of
2: freedom. That, never.
1: Freedom is what made this country the strongest, the toughest. Not the yeah. biggest
0: thug. No, and and not you not know, the idea know, we, that,
1: quote
0: not 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 the guy who makes deals. By which he yeah. means he bargains with his ability to initiate force either against other countries or our own citizens. That's his idea. He's going to make deals by throwing his weight around, so to speak.
2: I guess we can call him Don Trump, the Don. You know what I mean Don Trump or Jerome? Uh,
1: drump is the, yeah. <laughs> John Oliver came up with the drump.
0: That right, was beautiful. Trump. And by the way, if you have not seen John Oliver's segment, anybody who's listening, if you haven't seen John Oliver's segment on Donald Trump, it was masterful. I love that thing. Yes, honey?
2: All right. I'll let you go.
0: Okay. Thank you, Bosch, for calling Wanna, in.
2: And
1: we'll talk to you again. Yes, yeah, do you agree with that about Oliver, yes? Yeah, that was a great a great video. And one, of, one of my favorite lines from that is um, kind of to our point, is uh, it's kind of, voting for Donald Trump is kind of like getting a chimpanzee for a pet. It seems like a good idea until it rips your face off. And, you know, cause so yeah. you're unprotected. You, you get this thug as your guy, but the problem is, is he's not actually, and you kind of talked about this too, is, is Trump an empty vessel that I'm going to fill with my, um, you know, with what I want. He's going to do what's right for Trump at any moment whatever he feels that is. And, you know, his judgment's not great. So, you
0: know, this, this brings me to something that I wanted to talk to you about because you covered it in your recent Daily Sunny video. By the way, this is a great time for you to tell people what is the Daily Sunny?
1: Uh, The Daily Sunny is my YouTube channel. I'm doing between one and four videos a week on just politics and pop culture news and usually hopefully entertaining. Couple of couple of minute video usually. And then I have my other channel, House of Sunny, which has more of the comedy stuff that I do, which I'm still doing that. So cool. And
0: and so in the recent video you were talking about Super Tuesday. And one of the topics is Chris Christie standing behind oh, yeah. Donald Trump <laughs> during his speech on Super Tuesday. Yeah. So
1: tell me tell me about that. So Donald Trump was talking. He he was um, holding a press conference after Super Tuesday, but it was impossible to hear him over Chris Christie's expression. <laughs> it was just it was just like it was like Chris Christie was a ghost standing behind Trump, just had this expression of kind of I don't even know how to describe it. It was
0: uh, I like horror. I like the headline. <laughs> The headline from the Washington Post article, and I actually do over at Don'tLetItGo.com, I have some limited program notes for today. I do have a link to your Super Tuesday Daily Sunny. It actually shows up all nice. People people can just click play on your YouTube video right on my site, and then you can go and subscribe to the Daily Sunny, which is very cool. Um, But right below that, the headline from the Washington Post article is Chris Christie's wordless screaming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had love that article that that's been... Alexandra Petrie of the Washington Post and I actually it's funny cuz I I grabbed a couple of quotes from that article for the, for your show today um she she just basically the article is a list of her just kind of saying what that expression reminds her of so it's like his his were the eyes of a man who has gazed into the abyss and the abyss gazed back and then he endorsed the abyss <laughs>
0: Now, no joke, honey. My <laughs> eyes were just on those very lines in the article when you read them. That is, I mean, that's where
1: I was. Um, yeah, that, that one is excellent. What other grabbed you? Um, Chris Christie must stand and watch as his city is overrun with imperial troops and his friends are frozen in carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like his expression. He's just like, oh, what have I done? And then another one that was funny. Chris Christie is realizing that the steak he gets to eat inside the matrix is not worth this.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Oh, so my the article is just one of these funny riffs after another. It's a great article.
0: Oh no. So, I mean, you think in his mind, he does regret endorsing Donald Trump.
1: I don't know. I mean, he's, he basically endorsed Obama in 2012. Like how much worse can this guy be? He really kind of has a history of, just being kind of a corrupt croniest. So I don't know why that was different. Maybe he ate oysters or something and didn't feel well. I don't I don't know, but it sure was funny.
0: Some people were saying because I don't know if you saw there was this clip going around and it was Chris Christie and Donald Trump, maybe at the time when Christie endorsed Trump and Trump is saying to Christie, I think there's a plane over there for you. Go home. Go home. Like basically almost dismissing him in a, a dismissive way saying yeah. go home. And some people were defending Trump saying that, oh, christie has got something going on in his personal life. And so, you know, Trump was just saying, you know, go home and take care of whatever you have to take care of in your personal life. And that's all it's about. So that could be an explanation. Some, something really tragic could be going on in Christie's life and he could be Sitting there trying to stay focused, but really preoccupied with this tragic thing in his life, which you could understand.
1: That I don't. I that was his expression. So, it would. but you know, yeah. Unfortunately, it was. It was definitely the humor of the week for sure. For a couple of days, that was pretty funny. If if they wanted to, do the trolls should talk
0: sample. about what that is, right?
1: Yeah, or at right. Least
0: an allusion to it.
1: It definitely definitely came across that he was horrified of his endorsement of Trump. <laughs> so. Right. Yes, that's what that I mean. That's Funny. what everybody is objectively going
0: to think of it, unless we hear some sort of story in the background. Um, there is another piece that I put in the program notes, and the, it's from the uh, Foundation for Economic Education, and it makes a valid point. By written by Jeffrey Tucker, it says it shouldn't matter who the president is. And the overall thrust of it is why should the president be so powerful that we are so worried about horrible things going on? So for instance, you know, just to take a sentence from the, the piece, it says, depending on who gains who gains control, we would have trade wars, that could be under Trump, I guess. Nationalized health care, also under Trump, the pillaging of Wall Street and Main Street, that would be Kasich or Sanders or uh Clinton, I guess, more wars in the Middle East. That could be a lot of them, unless you get Ted Cruz. Uh, A VAT tax. I don't know if it's really a VAT tax that Cruz has in mind. You know, Cruz will explain what his tax policy is, but I think people are trying to pin that on him. Surveillance of your smartphone. I guess most of them. Uh, Cruz doesn't want to have a permanent backdoor, but, you know, he's going to force Apple to do this. Mass deportations, internment camps, and worse. So everybody's worried about all these horrible things happening depending on who is elected president and the point here is why does the president have so much power that we'd be worried about who is president and um, you know, again kind of circling back to the earlier point about the nihilism even if we were in a place that the president didn't have that much power I still wouldn't want Donald Trump to be president
1: right yes good point Even if he couldn't do a lot of damage, he would do a lot of damage to the spirit of things. And, you know, the president has always had a lot of influence on foreign policy. And of all the things, too, Trump's, you know, inconsistency, his his temper, his thin-skinned, you know, taking everything personal. I I mean, he would just be so terrible as a commander-in-chief from that standpoint alone. So that's a a legitimate function. And I mean, who knows what would happen? He would just create chaos in the world everywhere. I mean, Obama's been bad from just kind of not just lack of leadership, but some of the active stuff he's done. And I think Trump, one day he would be Israel's friend and the next day he would be against them completely. It would just be all over the place.
0: Right, right. And, you know, that idea of staying neutral as between Israel and the so-called Palestinians To be neutral
1: between them is evil. He not only said that, he said that he, that would be the ultimate deal, that if he could make that deal, that would be, like, for him, it's like a game. Oh, yeah, that's, you know, just like Clinton, you know, the sort of legacy building in Israel uh, that every president seems to want to do by getting the two sides to get together and make a deal. Trump basically said the same thing. Right, right.
0: Now, um, another link that I've got over at the program notes at don'tletitgo.com is something that you saw I shared this morning, the debate scorecard from Ace of Spades. Uh, did you agree with this debate scorecard? Do <laughs> you think that yeah, Ted Cruz for the reasons stated pretty much got an A minus, Marco for the reasons stated essentially got a B, John Kasich D minus, and Donald Trump yeah. In in the words of the the scorecard, he says, I don't even know how to start grading this. As far as a letter grade, I give a red X carved crudely through the face of a rotting pig with a bunch of stripper glitter tossed
1: on it. Does that sound about right? (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, That was maybe the best thing I read all morning. I laughed pretty hard. Now, I'm wondering, we didn't really talk about Kasich is our is our culture
0: rotting from the inside when we start laughing at very very crude political commentary like
1: this? <laughs> no. Humor is okay. <laughs> You're allowed to laugh. What I,
0: what I love though is, you know, I I put this I put it on Facebook and I put this little warning about how it's, you know, kind of crude. It's it's not the stuff that I would myself right. I was sort of maybe a little embarrassed at laughing about it so much this morning. So I put my little disclaimer, you know, warning, there's this part that's crude, especially with respect to Trump. And then you put the quote, the very part of it, I it in probably the comments. most crude, and crude element, you put it right in a comment on I that
1: thread. I laughing from that part. And I, you know, it's okay to laugh at this stuff. And Trump is so crude. I mean, part of mocking him is being crude. Um, because he includes, as long as you're not another presidential candidate, leave
0: it to Ace of Spades and other commentators. Yeah, place. leave it to
1: Ace of Spades and
0: me. Or you, <laughs> you got to leave it to the professionals, right?
1: Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, um, Kasich Go was really funny because he. One of the things that was so funny to me, he compared himself to the little engine that could. I oh. mean, that's is that presidential? <laughs> I mean he actually said that. It's wow. like, can say get out? Really? I don't know. It's got it's got a little bit of um
0: you know, living in another dimension aspect to it. Yeah. If you're talking about himself as a little engine that could, but maybe he does. He thinks he's got a chance at VP and Do you think that people want to vote for a little engine for president of the United States? There might be some people out there. I mean, again, I'm not going to be surprised much anymore. And and Kasich has done. I mean, he has behaved as what I might describe the political version of the little engine that could. He's behaved that way consistently. So I guess it would be probably an accurate self-description by him. It's, it, it shows great <laughs> self-awareness, right? Um, yeah, but he knows yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah. And and he's done well in certain states like, what is it, New Hampshire and Vermont and stuff. So, yeah. it's I guess it's got a certain appeal in certain places. It may or may not work for him in, in Ohio, but I don't know. So, anything more on all of these candidates, or are we pretty much done?
1: I think we're done. Yeah, I don't have anything else from I mean, the debate that I do have ideas that we can talk about. Oh yeah, Romney. We ahead. forgot to talk about Romney. Go yeah. ahead and tell me your take on Romney. So Romney, Romney at CPAC came out, you know, basically telling everybody you you can't vote for Trump, and of course, you know, nobody wants to hear what Romney has to say because he lost in 2012, and so he has no credibility. But more than that, you know, he's basically. I, I, this is. I had this epiphany today, and and I said this in my video today, which. I'll upload as soon as I'm done on the show. Um that basically Romney is the same candidate as Trump. The only difference being that sort of um more presidential dignity uh that tr- that Trump lacks. But mm. they're basically the same candidate. They had they have flip-flopped on everything. So, you know, he was for Obamacare before he was against it. He was uh he believed in global warming then he didn't. Now he does again. Now he's for Obamacare again. It, it, he has. He really is a Democrat. And then um, on top
0: of Rums, that... Rums would be much better at yoga, though.
1: <laughs> I, I think he might do yoga. I can see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I can see in, him on, on top of the
3: that, stage doing
0: a yoga pose and actually people being impressed and clapping for him versus Trump would think just think look ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but they, they also have to the that, experience right? The business experience background? Well, that's what I was
1: going to say. They, they're running as the guy who can fix it. They're running as the businessman who, if only we had somebody who just was more, who could, who could lead people, who had hired a lot of people and led big groups of people, then government would handle roads and education and everything better. Government will run your life better if we just get a smarter businessman to do it. And that is exactly what how Romney ran, ran, and it's how Trump is running, too. So I realized as I was, like, writing, why did it bother me so much that Romney is telling me not to vote for Trump? And I'm writing, you know, he's just like Trump. He, he flip-flopped, so he, he doesn't have anything to say against Trump. And then I was like, oh, my God, they're the same guy. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. No, I think that's good, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing your video on it. Um And I do actually. I want to have one more topic. And I don't. Have you been following the Apple
1: versus the FBI case very much? A little bit. I'm not an expert on the on the law part of that. Um, But yeah, I know the basics of the story, and I know that Apple just received a favorable ruling. Right, and that is the one bit of good news that I wanted to
0: end on this week. And what I might actually want to do, I know that. Ed is on the line here. I think Ed has been dying to talk about some of the politics throughout the course of this. The one thing I wanted to talk to Ed about for sure is that he's got a couple of excerpts from Judge, I think it's Orenstein is his name. Um, Yeah, Judge Orenstein in New York's Eastern District is the one who came down with a favorable ruling for Apple. Um, The whole idea is there's something called the All Writs Act that supposedly gives the government power, at least judges power, to order certain conduct, you know, by either citizens or companies or whatever, to kind of you know kind of enforce or uh, enhance the implementation of laws that are already on the books. So the idea is that you've got a law that doesn't quite tell Apple that it should be doing this, but in order to enforce current law, we need to have the judge just give an order that Apple do a certain thing, and it's it's just it's like a it's like a, a nudge, you know, to just, just a little bit more. And I think a lot of people have quite appropriately challenged that you can't apply the All Ritz Act in this case because all of the prior applications of All Ritz Act are asking for you know little ministerial type actions, actions that aren't really going out. Side of your normal scope of business and stuff, and what they're asking Apple to do here is write an entirely new piece of software, and even the creation of this piece of software is very dangerous. Um, you know, the, the idea of you know forcing somebody to create a whole new piece of intellectual property as part of what they call yeah. the all rits Act, which is just supposed to, you know, it's like, oh, give us that business record that you're already maintaining. That's the sort of thing that it's applied to in the past, right? So this is much more than that. And so I'm glad that the, the judge has given this ruling. This ruling won't necessarily have any you know, persuasive authority for a California court, which is where we've got the other case with San Bernardino, but the court could choose to look at those arguments and incorporate it. Uh, the one thing, I've got this New York Times article talking about this favorable ruling, and um, one thing that I liked was what the article says about Apple's brief in the case, in the the California memo, there wasn't a whole lot of Apple, I thought, standing up for the value of its products and kind of the wealth destruction that would happen if Apple is compelled to create the software, because I think Apple creates so much goodwill on behalf of users. Um, I think mm-hmm. you said you, you use an iPhone to shoot your... Yeah, videos. Yeah, yep. I mean these, these are awesome. These are awesome products that we rely upon, and part of the value of it is, you know, that Apple doesn't have access to our data. So in in particular, in this article, it says that if they're forced to comply with this request, it would create an undue burden, and it would quote substantially tarnish the Apple brand. End quote. And I think that that's true, and then. Yeah. Um, the other thing they say is that this reputational harm could have longer-term economic impact beyond the mere cost of performing the single extraction at issue, end quote. This is from the brief. And, uh, you know, for them to stand proudly on the principle that they have a right to preserve their economic success, right, um, yeah. you know, that, that
1: that's that's
0: something, and they recognize that, is important,
1: that this is a feature of the product that people want, and you know it's what we want, we're the consumer, that's what we want, they're providing it to us, and the government is going to step in and prevent them from doing that, which is a financial loss to them
0: right, right, exactly, and um you know this idea that they are just going to you know, force them to do this, and it's only going to be for this one phone. You know, one thing that I'm, I've been disappointed with in these arguments is that often either in the in the briefs or the memos and stuff, they're saying, well, the main reason that they, the courts should not order this is that there has been in debate throughout Congress and the White House and everybody else legislation that would require Apple and other companies to do this. And they have chosen not to take up this legislation, not to pass this legislation, not to sign it into law. And so the idea that a judge is going to achieve just by a single ruling, what a whole Congress with cooperation with the House and everything else has declined to do expressly for the last couple of years, because it's actually been in debate, that that's, you know, ridiculous. So it's sort of a it's not just procedural, but, you know, it's 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 substantive, but it's, you know, about the the fairness issue of imposing something when it hasn't had the proper consideration of a legislature. Right. Um, mm. That's good. That's a good argument. But obviously, even if Congress imposed this requirement that, for example, there's a backdoor or that whenever, you know, FBI came, that they would create a new backdoor whenever required. I think that would be morally wrong to require of Apple. So even if you went through all of those legislative hoops and, Cong, you know, president signed it into the law and stuff, I'd still think it was bad. But this is the type of stuff that lawyers are required to hang their hat on. They're trying, they're trying to say, now, judge, don't do this to me now, because Congress is supposed to act on this. And then when Congress acts on it, then they have to figure out what to do next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I certainly don't want to see Apple be forced to do this. Have you felt? Much better about your Apple products. Are you an Apple fan for life, or at least as long as Tim Cook is in charge?
1: <laughs> I I wonder how long Tim Cook. I I don't know. I I really miss Steve Jobs. Obviously, I I thought when Steve Jobs died that we're just going to now be in a slow decline of Apple products here. And there are definitely there have definitely been some things that I think wouldn't have happened. With Steve Jobs, different apps like not working right and things like that. Um, but I love my iPhone, and I'm also a Mac user. I edit my videos on a Mac, so it's I'm I'm wedded to it right now for sure. Yes,
0: definitely, and uh, and I would I like long to long have later. my privacy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a tremendous
0: value that even Apple doesn't have access to our data. I think that, that that's yeah. incredible in the idea that they should be able to take it away. So um do you want me to go ahead and let's let Ed uh, jump into the discussion yeah. here and see. I think he might have a challenge for us on Trump a little bit. I know he's not as negative or at least he has not been as negative on Trump. And I'd like to see if he's changing a little bit. Is this Ed? Yes it is. How are you doing,
3: Amy? And um, how are you doing funny? Hi Ed. Yay. Welcome. So hey.
0: okay one question. Does your opinion of Trump change after seeing him refer to his penis in a presidential debate? <laughs> uh, no.
3: <laughs> no. Uh, but that doesn't mean I had a terribly high opinion of him before. Remember, I, I'm setting a very low bar in my evaluation of Trump. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, that did not uh, change my opinion. Um, did, it surprise you? Point, did it surprise uh, you in
0: any way, shape or form?
3: Uh, I, I watched the bait. Uh, I watched, I listened to it this afternoon. And of course I had heard about it on Twitter last night. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, but because I heard about it before I watched it. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it's classless as my mom would say. Yes. Low class. Yes. Uh, Everything Trump is
1: classless. I, and and the video that I made last year where I was tramp, I I talked about how I was going to gold leaf the White House, like I'm going to, you know, this is Trump. He's
3: <laughs>
1: everything is.
3: Uh, uh, now there now there is a there is a substance point here that that body. I, I want to make. Um. Uh. And and uh. Again, not a supporter, but having investigated supporters online, it's one thing <laughs> to get up. And say um, you're in favor of free speech, uh, and give all the didactic, intellectual arguments about why free speech is good and why uh, you know we we have to protect it. Um, but then not to engage in free speech—that is to continually obey the three by five card of uh, uh, of allowed opinion that we're allowed. Politicians are allowed to have. On the other side are people who actually engage in free speech. And I think who who say things that are you know not politically correct, and of course Trump is the master of that, well, okay, even though he's okay, semi insane.
0: Let me let me um, let me go and, back and at I'm, you. I'm talking some,
3: not from I'm, I'm talking not from my perspective, but again I'm not a Trump fan. Sure, I'm sure but I would I would take you
0: to the to the extent that he's exercising free speech, he believes in free speech for me and not for thee.
3: Exactly.
0: Right? Oh yeah, and, no, I'm not. I'm not. He, he wants to okay. get rid of the current libel law and reform it in a way that's going to make it easier for him to sue those people who are saying that he has small hands, for example, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> not, right? It's 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 crazy. All right, so the Apple case. I did want to read two excerpts from the decision, which I like. Yay! Uh, Excellent. Because um, because I love this judge. So this is an sort of, now. The California case will have to consider this. I mean that that was not quite correct. They don't have to go by it, but they have to consider no. it. Just like this case, if you read the decision, considered all the previous cases, right? I mean you have to consider them. If you're a judge, you have to address them. So it does mean that the California judge is going to have to address. Them. So here um here here's in a footnote, so again, you know, the, the the least thing. In considering the burden the request of relief would impose on Apple, is entirely appropriate to take into account the extent to which the compromise of privacy and data security that apple promises its customers affects not only its financial bottom line but also its decisions about the kind of corporation it aspires to be beautiful now, wow, when have you ever heard when have you ever heard that right the kind of corporation it aspires to be and That's the a moral second one yeah. yeah yeah And the second one of course is because the government uh, you know i don't even believe the government really cares about um, certainly, this guy has already uh, the, the guy in New York has already pled guilty. Yeah. Uh, so and and I don't even I don't think they care about the phone in California. I think it's all just a setup to to fight to win in the courts what they can. You don't think the there's something
1: on that phone that they think that they could use to find I don't know. You don't think there's something that they've missed that they think is on? No, the phone? I think
3: they just I think they just picked a, a, a picked a really bad guy. As really a, compelling a case, to hit yeah. Apple over the head. Yeah, I mean, yep. you know, Amazon gave up on encryption today, right? So all yes. of the Amazon Fire in- encryption got, got thrown out. That's what they want. They Amazon, you know, anyway. So the final thing, I know we're getting what he said. Uh, yeah, we've two case, minutes left, yeah. The result of that morass of conflicting statements by the government was finding that the government had failed to establish that it would inevitably have succeeded in bypassing the passcode security on that person's phone. The result does not remotely establish the proposition the government supports here, namely that it is impossible for it to bypass the security of an earlier operating system without Apple's help. What it does establish is simply that the government has made so many conflicting statements in the two cases as to render any single one of them unreliable. Wow. Wow! It's calling out the government for being a complete liars
1: basically that is and, that uh, is
3: god i really beautiful. appreciate
0: that. that that is that is beautiful, beautiful. well thank you uh, uh for calling in ed and, and thank you f- uh sorry i kept you on hold for so long no but problem. i am going to have to i'm going to go ahead and wrap it up now so we'll talk uh next time as well so sunny i want to thank you for joining me for hanging out for yeah, this whole for hour me. and a half including through my last geeky part with apple again tell people how to find it was you my pleasure
1: uh, you can find me at houseofsunny.tv or on YouTube at The Daily Sunny or House of Sunny.
0: Right. And another place, if people are familiar with me, if you go to don'tletitgo.com, which I urge you to do every time anyway to get those program notes, if you go there, I do have embedded Sunny's YouTube video. It's, I guess, now the second to last one, because you're going to release a new one right after we hang up.
1: Yeah, I got one coming out right now.
0: Excellent. Well, congratulations, Sunny, and keep up the good Thank work. You. And I hope we'll get Thanks. to talk again. Thank you. We'll take care. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, everybody, thank you, and I'll talk to you next week.